Welcome back to CFO Weekly, where we're talking with financial leaders about how to build efficiency in their teams, create time for strategy, and ultimately get results with your host, Megan Weiss. Let's jump right in. Today, my guest is Zach Macon, CFO for Eluma. Zach joined Eluma having 18 years of corporate finance experience, with more than five of those years in EdTech. Prior to joining Eluma, his experience includes being VP of FPNA at DeGreed and Senior Director of Finance at the Utah Jazz. Zach holds an MBA from Utah State University and is a CPA and CMA. Zach enjoys automating processes, establishing relationships of trust, and diving into data to better understand the business. When not working, you'll find Zach spending time with his wife of 18 years and their three children, collecting sports memorabilia, and enjoying nature. Zach, thank you very much for joining me on this episode of CFO Weekly. Excited to be here, Megan. Yeah, I'm looking forward to learning about you and your story today and hearing about your experience as a finance leader. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get started. Sounds awesome. Excited. First, let's start with you, your career journey, and how it is that you got to where you are today. All right. Well, for me... When I when I think about common threads in my career journey, there's definitely technology and education uh, where my passions lie. And I can see that in your in your background for sure. <laughs> well, that, that that's good. Yeah, and then then there's a there's a, a little side path uh, with Utah Jazz because I'm just a huge Utah Jazz fan. So um, for me, my career goal or where I want to end up is a little different than most financial leaders in that I want to take all of the knowledge, experience, wisdom from my experience in the corporate realm and bring it to a college or university as a professor, adjunct professor. I I just, I really enjoyed my experience in class with those that had work experience to teach from. And so uh, I'm just enjoying all the experience that I have and noting it and uh, ready to eventually teach it, you know, a handful of years down the road uh, to students to help them in their journeys. That's awesome. Um, oh, thanks. Uh, but yeah, just a little bit of history on me. I, I got my undergrad in accounting at Utah Valley University. At the time, it was called Utah Valley State College. And... While I was getting my degree, uh, I had uh, married my wife, Melissa, and she had already graduated. She was two years older than me and and had skipped a grade in school. And so she was further down that path. And I just had that natural pressure to, you know, be a provider for my family, uh, not just her. <laughs> and so I got through my undergrad in three years. And um, I had the opportunity right out of getting my undergrad to work for a joint venture with Intel and Micron at their semiconductor fab that's here in Lehigh, Utah called I Am Flash. And so I started there as a budget accountant and rolled up budgets and it was their first time doing a budget as a company. And so it was really exciting for me. Uh, Moved my way up to financial analyst while I was there. And while I was there, I took uh, the MBA program through Utah State University on the weekends. So Friday nights and Saturday mornings, I was uh, getting my MBA. And then um, shortly after getting my MBA, um, 
think it's kind of a natural feeling that people in my shoes would feel, but you want to apply all the learning that you got from your MBA and and be able to have a, a bigger voice in a company and make a bigger impact. And so I I desire to work for actually a smaller company and have a wider scope of responsibilities uh, to have a bigger voice in a company. And so I came across um, a company called Wavelink, which is a mobile device management software company. And it was awesome. Really enjoyed my time there. While I was there, I got my CPA uh, license. And uh, I really wanted to apply what I learned from getting my CPA and in the role of being a controller. And um, so I was uh, promoted as controller there while I was at Wavelink. Uh, Wavelink, we got acquired by a company called Landesk at the time, and now it's called Ivanti. And so I uh, played a role in, in that transaction. And uh, shortly after that uh, happened, I, I ensured a good smooth process with Avanti. And, and um, again, I just really liked the, the smaller company where I had um, you know, a wider range of responsibilities. And um, the, the opportunity came across a, a company called Curve Dental, and they're a dental practice management software company. Uh, so there I report to the CEO, um, did a lot of things, not just finance, but, you know, the HR responsibilities and just anywhere that I felt like I could help and had a lot of fun and really enjoyed that. Um, and then while I was at Curve Dental, my old boss at uh, Wavelink, he reached out to me and, and said, hey, I've got a really good opportunity uh, here at Mastery Connect. And Mastery Connect uh, is in education and software. And, and um, again, my passion is there in the education side um, and a high growth company with great technology. And so I, I took that opportunity at Mastery Connect as controller there and uh, learned a lot, had a high impact there. We grew together, had a, had a great time. And as I mentioned uh, earlier, I'm, I'm just a huge Utah jazz fan. Um, Everybody knows that about me. My closest friends, they just, they, they know that's me. <laughs> and uh, they, the opportunity, there, there was a job opening for a controller position at the Utah Jazz. And even though I didn't really uh, have any direct contacts or connections within the Utah Jazz uh, company, I felt like my experience fit the job description very well. And I, I could make a, a good impact there and learn a lot. So I applied and the, the stars aligned there. Uh, had an amazing time with Utah Jazz. Uh, learned a lot. It was, you know, definitely different than your SaaS company, um, but had a lot of fun. It still even, it still felt like a startup in many ways. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll probably talk more about Utah Jazz a little bit later and things I learned. Will, for but, sure. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was uh, very busy. Learned a lot. Loved the people there. I got approached by a company called Degreed, and they are a learning experience platform um, that's that's uh, SaaS based. And uh, they reached out to me about the opportunity to be a VP of FP&A for Degreed. And for me, um, I really love the FP&A side. Um, much more than the accounting side, because I just love diving into the numbers, trying to figure out what they mean, not necessarily have to be beholden to gap 
um, in that process and just really drive value to the the people that are um, in the operations of the company. And so with Degree being a high growth, uh, amazing product, great leadership, um, and then the opportunity to build the FP&A function from the ground up, um, I couldn't say no to that opportunity. So um, left the Utah Jazz, um, which most of my friends, they'd probably go, I thought you'd be the jazz for life. <laughs> but, um, but uh, you know, your career takes you in past that you just don't normally anticipate. But uh, I went to Degreed and uh, learned so much there. I had a great time, build out the FP&A function. Uh, we grew from one to about five people just on the FP&A team while I was there. And um, I always knew, even though I you know wasn't even looking for the next step in my career, I just knew that the next step for me was to be a CFO of a smaller company. And while I was at Degreed, I, I was got approached by Iluma. And um, I just fell in love with uh, the leadership, the, the mission, uh, the, the offerings, and, and the opportunities that Iluma has. And again, it was something I wasn't anticipating to, to leave at any time soon but i really just it was a perfect fit for me to to be at iluma and i'm just really enjoying my time here so that's a long uh winded explanation of where i'm at today but but yeah that's how i'm here yeah really impressive career so far and um to your point about eventually becoming a professor i i went to kent state university and got an accounting undergrad and one of my favorite professors was a partner from ernst and young um who was also a professor at Kent State. And she was, she was amazing. Like she really made an impact. So oh, I applaud good. you for, for having that goal. Thank you. Um, and as you mentioned, you're relatively new to, to Iluma. Um, you've been there in the CFO position now since September of 2021. So mm-hmm. how are you finding the role? I love it. It's, a learning experience for me every day, but I just get excited at the impact that I and my team can make each day. And not only the impact within the company, but being so mission focused on students achieving their potential, there's just great fulfillment uh, that we all feel as we progress and learn together, solve problems together, because we know it's benefiting the students in the end. So it's been it's been really great for me. Um, I love the leadership team here. We're all united. That's so um, important. Yeah, we don't have our own agendas. We're here to help each other out and solve problems. We can confront each other if there's any conflict that needs to be resolved. We all approach it with humility and and um, just an intent to always be better and find the right solution. I'm so I'm I'm really grateful to be here. Such a wonderful company and the team is just down to earth, ready to do what's needed and uh, we're making an impact together. So tell us a bit about how your role as CFO differs from your previous role which was VP of FP&A. Yeah, for me the biggest difference is <laughs> 
this is this isn't negative because it's it's just expected, but you, you feel a bigger weight on your shoulders. For sure. Um, you know, it it, it degreed as VP of FPNA, even though I had a lot of responsibility. It was still a lot of like just bouncing ideas off the CFO and, you know, collectively kind of coming to solutions. And and really, it was kind of the CFO at the end of the day making the decision uh, as he's supported by me and other members of the team. Here at Iluma, um, I do feel supported um, from all the leadership team and and they're all eager to to help me out on making sure we're a financially successful business. Um, but as far as like finance specific or accounting specific issues to resolve, um, <laughs> a lot of that's just square on my shoulders. And, and I think a lot of people, um, they just, they just kind of assume that, Hey, there's a CFO here now. So, you know, we're set, we're good as a company. You know, I think people just kind of, take that for granted. Whereas you're like, okay, I know you're trusting me and I need to follow through and make sure. (laughs) Yeah. They just assume you have all the answers. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, that's the biggest difference for me, but I've been able to apply so much of what I've learned so far, uh, to help Iluma out. And I'm learning every day on ways to improve, ways to be more bold, uh, and ways to address issues more directly that is a requirement for my position um, that uh, I'm, I'm really enjoying the, the progress that I feel I'm making and the impact that it, that it has on the company. And I'm just curious, uh, of, of your previous roles, was there one that you feel prepared you the most to be a CFO? Was it controller? Was it VP of FPNA? That's a great question. I, for me, I feel like the VP of FPNA a degree uh, helped me the most because I feel that FPNA um, translates, especially nowadays, more seamlessly than accounting does to a CFO position because the CFO is really being asked uh, to add a lot of strategy, a lot of forward vision and clarity uh, to to businesses that um, probably wasn't called upon as much, you know, five years ago. And, and uh, I got to be at a lot of strategic discussions and make input while I was at Degree. And I just saw how the, the board and the executive team worked together and how I can make an impact there. And so... Help me just kind of anticipate what is needed from a CFO while I was at Degree. And tell us about Iluma and and the product. Yeah, so Iluma, we partner with schools and districts that are kindergarten through twelfth grade, and we provide online therapy services, and that includes speech therapy, occupational therapy, psychology, and mental health, both on special ed and general education. Um, so we, we, it's a tech-enabled service right now where we have our own software that helps to track and manage the therapy being given. And we are soon um, offering a SaaS solution to schools and districts where 
whether they have their own clinicians or they use our clinicians, um, they can use our software to really support the student uh, through the, the therapy services being given. So it's a really exciting time for us to uh, release SAS. You know, pilots are going out this month and uh, it'll be really fully rolled out for the next school year. Uh, and then mental health. Um, we all know of the crisis that, that mental health yeah. is right now. And I was going to say, been. your business must have just exploded in the last couple of years. Yes, it, it definitely has. And it's interesting. Um, I just really feel for our educators because they're so... Um, they're so strapped for time. They they don't have the bandwidth to really figure out the best way to provide mental health services to their students. And we're we're trying to um, we're trying to help them understand uh, what could be the best approach. Uh, and so it, it's we're trying to really define that together as a partnership with the educators on the best mental health offering that's uh, for general education and special education. But yeah, it's the the demand for our services has definitely exploded and um, we're continuing to enhance our offerings uh, and provide the right level of mental health that, that they need. So do schools come to you or do you partner with districts? How, how does it it's work? Old. Yeah, it's both. Our our primary customer is in the public's, uh, public education space, but it's usually districts uh, that we contract with. And then we have a network of about 400 clinicians in various disciplines that uh, we contract with to provide those services. And so the clinician uh, that will use our uh, internally developed software We'll provide those teletherapy services, and then you know we we build the the school and the district for those services. And speaking of explosive growth, so you recently made it onto the list of Inc. Magazine's five thousand fastest growing companies. So, talk to us about that. How did that feel? <laughs> it feels good. Um, <laughs> I I think everybody wants to be part of a winning team, and we have a a winning culture here and um, it, we don't rest on our laurels here. We just, I think success feeds future um, appetite for more success. And uh, so we, you know, we, we love it. We'll, we'll celebrate, but we're just like, you know, let's keep putting our, the pedal to the metal and, and really figure out the best offering for these students. Let's get SAS going and I really honestly feel we'll, we'll be on that list for for quite a while um, because of the opportunity in front of us and uh, the demand for it. And I'm curious, how do you deal with being in a high growth uh, company in today's talent market? Where, where do you go to find talent? How do you attract it? And how do you retain it? That is a, a great question. We operate in what we call a two-sided marketplace because not only are our customers our schools and districts, but they are also our clinicians. We want to make sure that both are happy 
and that we are providing the service that the clinician and the school are signing up for. And it requires a lot of coordination, communication uh, between uh, many, many different groups. Um, So we have a talent acquisition team here at Iluma, and they are amazing. They're constantly reaching out uh, to get ahead of the demand by our schools and districts for those services to make sure that we have the right person at the right time, providing the right level of services when we need it. And that requires us to be very good at forecasting and coordinating with each other to make sure that we, you know, can grow at the rate that we need to, to, to meet this demand. Um, so it's, it's intense, but it's fun. You know, it, I would, I I wouldn't want it any other way. Um, it it requires having an up-to-date financial model where assumptions are being refreshed, challenged every day. And each day we're, we're gleaning new information that will help us operate the business more effectively and more efficiently. And all of this translates to uh, growing it the way we need to and doing it in a way that's in a successful business environment financially. And talk to us about your role or in general, a CFO's role in contributing to company culture and its values. It used to be that the CFO was just the numbers guy, but like you said, that's not the case anymore. Yeah. Well, definitely in the interview process, I could tell that the leadership team, um, they were very honed in on making sure that they hired someone that would only enhance uh, the values-driven company that Iluma is. And so many of the questions that were asked to me, they weren't really numbers-related. They were, um, you know, what values do do I live by and and how does that translate to Iluma? They could tell that I was a numbers guy just by my experience. Um, but I love that. I... I I feel like being a numbers guy in the corner really adds no value and can actually hurt uh, the culture at a company uh, because I you know it could be that I'm part of a silo or that makes it look like we're part of a silo. Um, but I, I see myself as a business partner for every employee at the company, and I have a certain lens to things that can help them do their job. Uh, in a better way. So I have to approach my work with empathy. You know, even though I have a lot of deadlines, my team has a lot of deadlines and deliverables that need to be met. Um, I need to also really understand what each team is dealt with, what they're trying to accomplish, and how can I help them uh, achieve what they need to, because all of these things, as we partner together, they eventually translate into a financial benefit to the company. Um, so I just try to be as available as I can, try to listen as intently as I can, and uh, be aware of opportunities to help wherever wherever they may be. And speaking of business partnering, how or what advice do you have for CFOs to ensure that they have a seat at the table in defining a company strategy? Yeah, I think first, you need to be an approachable person 
Um, <laughs> there's, there's, there's been CFOs that I, I know of that are, people are just totally afraid of and they don't want to bring issues to them. They don't want to feel like they're getting into trouble. Um, they don't, they're just, they, they might be hard to work with. And I don't want to be that person. I want to be someone that people feel comfortable with to uh, bring up any issue that may happen knowing that I'm going to focus on what did we learn from it? How can we be better rather than trying to point fingers at, you know, any particular person as to why something went wrong? Um, I think an important part is when looking at things through a financial lens that I not only look at like the cost or the expense of something, but really try to understand the value, uh, the return on the investment that that will come to play and really balance that out. Um, it could be really easy for me to say, hey, that's not in the budget. You know, when someone comes to me with something that needs to be spent on and say, no, you know, it, or I could approach it as tell me more about why you need this. And help me understand how this is going to benefit us, and um, even you know hold them accountable to it. You know, you told me that it's going to be this uh, benefit to the company, and so we're going to track that. Let's track it and make sure that it's providing the benefit we need. So definitely being open, but also challenging uh, in a way that isn't just for finances benefit for, but for the the growth of the company through value. Is, Great answer. So you were VP of FP&A at Degree during the pandemic. So what did you learn as a finance leader during that time? I think that's <laughs> the first time in my career, at least, where I think a lot of people realize you just can't plan for everything. <laughs> oh, man, it was... Um... It, it was uh, it was an experience. It <laughs> learned a lot through that. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> a little background for for us: we have at Degreed our annual. We we have quarterly uh, board meetings, but our big annual business plan meeting was in March of 2020, where we would approve the annual budget and. Um, there was months of work that went into that board meeting, making sure that we were all aligned on the assumptions that we were uh, focusing on the right areas and how did that translate into the financial forecast for multiple years. And we put so much work and coordination into that. Um, and, and it was the week of the board meeting that uh, Rudy Gobert um, yeah, he he's the player on the Jazz that got COVID during, you know, during the basketball game, and then that's when everything just like shut down almost all overnight, right? Yeah, <laughs> and so we were all excited before that to what timing this. that was. Yeah, yeah, and so um, <laughs> did all you just that burn work, it? <laughs> it was like all that work was like. Um, kind of thrown out the window because we just, nobody really knew, you know, this had never happened before, uh, at least in my lifetime. Uh, and so what now, how do we, what do we do now? 
what what are the various ranges of impact that this could have to our our business and we it was almost a daily scenario planning exercise as we learned new things about the impact to growth good and bad we were scenario planning and it required us to be much more proactive in communicating with the board it wasn't just a you know like a once a month check in it was a weekly check in and just to make sure that we were um really driving the right the right way and we had great leadership at degree that um you know they they um they would push on every assumption just make sure that we're we're looking at things the right way it really helped us solidify our financial model because it really got pressure tested in many different ways. And um, it, it really taught me, uh, one, to have a, a, a financial model that is nimble yet pressure tested uh, to make sure that, um, you know, if these assumptions are true, that that this is really how the business will turn out. Um I, I learned a lot of uh, perseverance, <laughs> as with everybody else did during that time. I'm like, hey, you know, these times are hard. Uh, might might seem frustrating because nothing seems like it's a, a set thing in life, but you just keep pushing forward and learning along the way. And um, but yeah, it was it was, it was great experience and really helped me in my career path understand what it takes to provide visibility to a company when they really, really need it. And talk to us about your time at Utah Jazz. I imagine a lot of people out there think that, you know, working for an NBA team must be a pretty sexy job. (laughs) Yeah, in some ways it is. Uh, You know, a lot of the questions are like, do you you hang out with the players? You know, Um, but I'm like, no, I mean, I I got to meet them a handful of times, but, you know, you want to make sure that they're focused on basketball and not hanging out with a finance guy. But (laughs) (laughs) um, it was fun. Um, The the Utah Jazz at the time, they were owned by the Miller Management Group and they own various entities that um, supported um, sports and entertainment. So not only was I controller for the Utah Jazz, but I was also controller for the development team, which is the Salt Lake City Stars, uh, a sports radio station, and then also a cycling event where cyclists come from all over the world to compete in the Tour of Utah. Uh, Those were all different entities owned by the Miller group. And, and I was in, you know, the controller to make sure that we're doing everything correct financially for those companies. Um, so it was a great experience for me. Um, some things that are unique about working for an NBA team is, um, I manage three audits every year. So, um, you know, typically you only go through one audit a year, yeah, but that's bad enough. Yeah, Um, but uh, an NBA team, they go through a players association audit to make sure that you're reporting on the revenue correctly because the players get a a share of that revenue. Um, The NBA has their own audit that they go through 
uh, every year to make sure the revenue sharing amongst the teams is correct and reported cor- uh, in the right way. And then the the Miller Management Group, they have their own audit with the big four firm. So really nine months out of the year, I was under an audit. And so that's not very sexy in and no. of itself, but <laughs> something, <laughs> something that's necessary. Um, so it was... It was a lot of fun, though. Um, even in that time, I mentioned that it felt very much like a startup. Um, while I was there, I got some great opportunities. One of them was to help start our jazz gaming team, which I had no idea was like even out there. But a, a gaming team is where you have professional uh, video game players that play NBA 2K. Wow. And they're, they're really good. And the NBA started a, a gaming um, association where you, you have these players, uh, you actually draft them, bring them to Utah, house them just like they are an NBA player. <laughs> and they train in a, a gaming facility and then they go out to these tournaments. And and um, so I got to be part of that from logo design to actually being in the draft room to draft those players. And that was that was very different and a lot of fun. Um, and uh, another cool experience is while we were there, um, I was asked to be on a committee to uh, give a bid to be the all-star um, host. And, and that's actually happening uh, this this season where Utah is going to be the host of the NBA All-Star Game. And in that part, it took a lot of, you know, reviewing what the, the contract to, to be a host would be, uh, coordinating with the whole, the whole Salt Lake City to make sure that we could host it and have the right infrastructure for it. And uh, translating all of that into a financial projection on how it would impact not only the jazz, but the community. So that was a, a lot of fun for me. And there were just many opportunities like that uh, along the way that, that really, they were sexy things. They were, yeah. they were a lot of fun. It sounds like a fun, a fun job to have had. Mm-hmm. So you're both a CPA and a CMA. So talk to us about how those two credentials helped you on your path to become a CFO and was one of them better than the other? Yeah, my my view is probably different than a lot. Um, for me, the CPA was like just a, a it was a, <laughs> it was a requirement Uh it was kind of like a gate that needed to be gone through in order to progress, especially in financial leadership. You know, a lot of even startup companies, uh, the CEO or in COO, they probably don't really know what a CPA means versus a non-CPA, but they just know that most companies ask for a CPA. And so it's usually part of a, a job uh, requirement that you are a CPA. I'm not downplaying it. I I I did learn a lot through the CPA, but where my passion lies is not really in debits and credits and taxes and and all of that. It's really on how can I provide uh, insight into the operations that really informs good decision making. And I felt the CMA actually helped me more in that regard. And so I I enjoyed the process of the CMA much more 
and it was really um something that i just i just really wanted to do um to learn what the the cma exam would teach me compared to the cpa where it's it's something i just it was more required of me in order to continue on that cfo path so um i the both were very beneficial for me cpa is probably more beneficial just for my career growth standpoint the cma was much more enjoyable for me that's really interesting and last question as a finance professional what is one or maybe two of the biggest challenges that you and your team are facing as we head into 2023 (laughs) i'm feeling for all financial professionals right now just because uh, There's just so much going on. Yeah, from the pandemic level. might be mostly over, but the tumultuous times are not. Oh yeah, so I have a lot of friends that are CFOs, and they're like, I don't know what to think. <laughs> <laughs> and so there's definitely like a macro feel on things that I wouldn't say it keeps me up at night, but I'm just constantly, you know, trying to figure out if I'm helping Iluma be at the uh the most um secure place that it that it can be uh to navigate uh in case there's some great headwinds that we face. But what ke- keeps me up at night, I really do a lot of introspective assessment of hey, am I being the right business partner to um, not only my boss, the CEO, but the other part of the executive leadership to the other employees and also to our board. Am I providing them with the right intel, the right suggestion that is directing Iluma in the right, the right path? Those are that's something that's just always on my mind. And so I'm always kind of reflecting on the day and going. Oh, I could have provided this insight here, or I could have been more bold in my feeling towards how this is performing. And then I try to improve on the next day. Um, Another thing I always try to assess if there's an elephant in the room that needs to be addressed, whether it's financially or just like, I don't know, non-financial um, and making sure that me, not as just a finance person, but as a leader and a steward of this company, are, am I making sure that those things are being addressed? Um, also, I just I I'm, I usually lean on more the side of transparency, still being aware of not being over transparent. But I'm I'm always I feel there's great value to uh, all employees to really understand how the business is doing and what they can do to help make it better. And so I'm always trying to figure out um, how can we be more transparent so that everybody is on the same, they know where we're at and we can all work together to drive success rather than just a few individuals in the leadership team. Yeah, I think employees really appreciate that transparency too. Yeah, for sure. Zach, thank you so much for being my guest today. You sound like a wonderful leader and a great CFO. Hey, thanks, Megan. This was fun. Yeah, I appreciate you taking the time to be here with us today. And I wish you all the best, as well as Iluma. And to all of our listeners, please tune in next week. And until then, take care. 
If you're ready to boost efficiency and streamline your accounting processes at significant cost savings, it's time to talk with Personiv. Their people-powered solutions have transformed the delivery of back office tasks and general accounting functions for decades, partnering with clients to provide everything from accounts payable to payroll services. See what Personiv can do for you by visiting personiv.com. You've been listening to CFO Weekly presented by Personiv. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to hear all of our episodes. Want to learn more? Check out personiv.com. Thanks for listening.